Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. everybody welcome to whiskey for the ages I'm your host Brian Dawson and I'm back in the driver's seat after Hannah led last week as always Hannah and Laura are with me hello Hannah here hi I'm Laura we've got something new tonight we have got a guest with us and we'll be bringing in Greg in just a little bit in this episode we're going to talk about bar pours Back in January, uh, Dad, Laura, and I, we guested on Greg Walters' show uh, during a nearly three-hour show. Hopefully, we won't be that long this time around. We'll see. But it is on YouTube if you're interested. Uh, we explored whiskey history and the evolution of some popular bourbons, as well as a bunch of other topics, like a bunch of other topics. All right, so don't worry. We'll try to keep it show to its normal customary length, but no promises. You guys are in for a treat. This is so exciting. We're so excited to interview Greg. So girls, get your pores ready. Fill those glasses. And everybody out there in uh, listener land, you do too. Girls, what'd you pour? Larceny Barrel Proof, one of my favorites. Oh, which one? Which batch? Um, good question. <laughs> Probably. One of the barrel proofs. Yeah. Probably the B522. Probably. We, had we, that opened, recently. we opened that up last week. I have got Weller Antique going myself right now. And I did some uh, Old Forester 1910, and I'm nursing a little bit left of a, of a glass of Old Pepper single malt. Very so nice. Had to remember what it was I poured earlier. <laughs> So our guest this show is Greg Walters. I first met Greg about 13, 14 years ago when he and I were members of an organization dedicated, and I'll tell you it in its simplest form, to increase efficiency of business machines. Greg and I, along with a group of other members, met about once every four to eight weeks, and uh, I was all done by a conference call. And it was quite some time later that I actually met Greg in person. So uh, without any further ado, let's bring Greg in here. Hi, Greg. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hello, everyone. Hello, ladies. Brian, Hello. good to see you again. Good to, good to talk. Yeah. Was it really three hours? Was that last one? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Two hours, yeah. 52 minutes. I looked there. it up today. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And then you and I had done one, a marathon session like that, back in December or October. I forget which. So That's right. Good time. I love it. Good times. Mm -hmm. So, what did you pour? I poured tonight. It's Elijah Craig. It's just a straight uh, rye. I went to the rye oh, side. Nice. So, 94 proof, pretty good. I've had Elijah Craig many times before, and um, you know, I ran up to the store real quick, and it was, it was a good price. I forget the price, but it was good, approachable, and you know, absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. I like the rye. It adds a whole nother dimension to it, spiciness, and, and these guys do it pretty well. So, yeah, that's what I'm pouring. Well, that's okay. great. And I heard, 
you guys are pouring some good stuff too. The 1910, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, what was the other two I heard? I, some Weller Antique for me over here. Weller Antique. And uh, Larceny Barrel Proof of some Ooh. Kind. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Whole so we got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Something for everybody. Yep. And don't be bashful when that glass empties. You need to fill it back up. <laughs> oh, okay. If you insist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get a little introductions out of the way here. Greg, uh, what brings you to, to whiskey? What brings you to bourbon? Oh, boy. Okay. So it's a long story, but I'll shorten it up a little. Actually, so nice introduction on what we did with office technology and things like that, how we first got together. One of the conferences I went to, Mike Stramalio had his uh, Executive Connection Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it was an industry thing. And I don't, gosh, I don't remember the year, but it was a while. It was well before COVID. It might have been four or five years before COVID. Well, he had a uh, whiskey and wine tasting at one of the bars, right? So we had to walk. I don't know if you've been to Scottsdale. It's a really cool town, small. You can walk everywhere from the hotel. Um, we walked into the bar. Now, he had, I thought it was just going to be a quick little tasting. I was wrong. The whole bar was ours, and the bourbon bar wasn't a tasting. It was the entire bourbon bar, It was, and, and it was all open. And that, yeah, right, exactly. So, and then the wine wasn't just like one or two whites and a couple of reds. It was everything, wow. everything, spectrum all over. So, anyway, I, uh, that's when I, <laughs> the first one I had was Bullet. Now, this is a, this is back when Bullet was just starting out before they were the craze. They right. were. Right. So, that's what turned me on at that point. I said, wow, because at that point, I liked Jack Daniels. That was my drink of choice for 10, 15 years. That really churned it out, and then I went back to Wisconsin. A buddy of mine bought a bar, and it was a wine bar, strict wine bar. Like they had Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, and maybe a Scotch or two. That was it. And then throughout, you know, two, three-year journey, we built that up to around 240 bourbons on the shelf, oh, which wow. meant I probably, yeah, I probably tasted close to six, seven, eight hundred different bourbons over those years to, to get that palate. And, and, and we um, we built a bourbon club uh, from 12 people to like over 100. And it's so interesting, you know, I can go on, but, but what was interesting about that is we were able to actually watch a palette develop in a group and then it ended up being in a city because we were in a small town called Oconomowoc. Small town, there are 12 bars within two blocks. So there's a lot of competition. We were the only, at the time, we were the only place that you so could really go So that's just typical Wisconsin cool though. That's typical yeah. Wisconsin. Small town. Yeah. Small town Wisconsin. That I sounds grew, about right. I grew up north of Eau Claire, and my, oh, little, yeah. my little hometown had 2,337 people in it, or 38, depending on which side of town you drove into. The signs were different. And we had five bars, not including the VFW club. Oh, yeah, that's the best one. We had a, what did we have? A Sons of whatever, it was one of those, and it was a great little bar. Yeah. I, you know, I love those things. I just, I, it, so that's how I got the bourbon. After that, it was, you know, we went through COVID like that. Um, we started uh, drumming up different, reaching out to other distilleries. We were the first ones to bring Three Chord into Wisconsin, which is, um, you know, Pat Benatar's husband, he hates when you say that, but it's his bourbon. And I knew the folks who did the marketing, the labeling, and stuff like that for there. So we were, we were, able, we sold more three quart in Wisconsin than anyone else. Same with uh, Cody Road out of Iowa. They came in, we bought their stuff and pushed that hard. All sorts of military folk, right? Guys who came back. This is before the uh, the soldier one. I forget that one that's out right now. But Horse these soldier. guys were literally, yeah. 
literally came in and said, we're going to make our own bourbon and we're going to just do this, that, and the other thing for veterans and all that. And we, we just sold the heck out of that too. So, but that's how I got to, to where I'm at. I mean, whatever that means, but that's, yeah. where, that's how I got to where I'm at. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I love it. Oconomowoc, it's in between uh, Madison and Milwaukee, right? Right. It's almost halfway between Madison and Milwaukee. And, and it's in what's called Waukesha County, yeah. which is... During COVID, Milwaukee County, where Milwaukee is, and then I forget the name of the Madison. Those two counties shut down. Yeah, they Dane, were Dane County. Shut down. It was Dane County. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Waukesha, the sheriff came out and says, you know, we are not going to respond to any mass calls, any too many people in the park calls. We're not responding to that. And then, then Wisconsin opened up, I think, 30 days after the closure, 60 days. We were the only thing in, in the whole state, actually, ended up being. So our business went through the roof, just absolutely nuts. And it, it, I haven't been there in a while, but we carried that on. But it was a you know, classic story, small entrepreneurs, a bunch of entrepreneurs that were able to, we're going to survive this. And we all, you know, literally five or six of us bars worked together to stay in business through COVID. And it just, it, it was actually really good. We had a, we had a fun. And there were, you know, they weren't stacking up bodies outside the place. No one died. Nothing like that happened. So, but it was a blast. Do you care to plug anyway. them? Give them, give off their name? Oh, yeah. It was uh, Vino, etc. Vino, etc. Uh, which, you know, again, wine bar. Yeah. Excellent little wine bar. Very, very sedate. Very calm. We, Brian came, Brian Burkowski bought it. Came in. He was a bartender there for a few years. And I actually worked at Kohl's, as corporate Kohl's, as a, you know, a high-end exec at Kohl's, had a bar. Well, Kohl's went through some, you know, readjustment, riffing out yeah. people. He was one of them. Uh, I think he made it through the first round, but not the second round. So then the bar became his sole stream of revenue, and then he just tripled down on everything. He ended up buying the bar right next door called uh, uh, The Etcetera. So two bars right next to it. Anyway... Yeah, Vino and O'Connor Walk stopped by there. And, well, I guess the point was we brought in some major music acts too. So we had bourbon, okay. we had music, we had, you know, it was just, it was a blast. You put a deck on it, it's right up on a lake right there in O'Connor Walk. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the roof view is just the best in the city. Sure. So it's a great sure. little place. Yeah. So, yeah. how did you get involved into the, the bourbon side of things? You started with Bullet in Scottsdale, you come right. over to this bar over there in O'Connor Walk, and how do you go, okay, now I'm going to take it to a whole bourbon level? Well, I'll tell you, that's a really good question because now you start to get into the bourbon world in reality, Yeah. right? So, yeah, I mean, you can run around and you can taste, and I did. Everywhere I went, I ended up tasting different bourbons, just, you know, wherever, you know, down to Chicago. That was on, on the side as a, as a almost vacation. Well, you have to work with the distributors, and oh, this okay. is where it gets very, yeah, as you so, I mean. hold that it, thought. It, it, because I have to, okay. I have, I have to bring this up. Um, Wisconsin is not one of the seventeen control states. Correct. Now, there yeah. are, there are control states. Every state's a control state, but Wisconsin patrons can buy from pretty much anywhere. They can go into a grocery mm -hmm. store and buy liquor. They can go lots of different places and buy liquor. Many states, seventeen of them, Idaho included, is a control state in which. The state controls all distribution of liquor. So I can't go anywhere other than a state-controlled liquor store to buy. You mentioned that you had to go directly to the distributors. Tell me about that. 
Well, see, that's through retail. So we're selling to sell again. We're buying to resell. So the, if you look at the retail market, like I said, packaged liquor is controlled. So I spent three years down in North Carolina, which is a controlled state. That's actually where I um, yeah. was introduced to Jefferson Ocean. Jefferson okay. Ocean, okay. my first Jefferson Ocean was down in Charlotte, buddy of mine. And I, oh my gosh, I think they all bought cool stories there. That was really fun. But that was a packaged liquor place, right? So you had yeah. to go to a state store and buy liquor, and you only could buy what was in the store. I mean, and, you know, at the point, I didn't know it at the time, but someone somewhere is controlling what you can buy, right? Correct. Correct. Fast forward into Wisconsin, and it's more a traditional, you know, as a business model, whatever you're doing, copiers, printers, whatever it is, paper, you buy from a distributor, and then you resell to B2B or to retail. That's the model I'm used to. So when, okay, we decided to go into this, all right, how do we do this? Well, you have to work with these distributors. Well, okay, in Wisconsin, it's, it's almost the mob. And if, if the mafia did exist, which it doesn't, and we all know that, if the mafia did exist, it would be doing the liquor right now in Wisconsin or Indiana and Ohio. But we know it doesn't exist, so that's just a, yeah. a weird thing. So, yeah, so back to your original question, we had distributors that sold us wine and beer to start with, so we started there. Yeah. And then we just started going out because, because it is kind of an un, it's almost an uncontrolled because I found this out. You can become a distributor really quickly. Right, someone who distributes just soda can whatever they do can do beer, liquor, and wine, and all of a sudden you've got this. And I literally a small one-man operation who is bringing in this different type of bourbon. Now, at one, this is good, right? To me, it's good. Right. Now I start to say, well, where did this come from? Well, Iowa? Who the heck out in Iowa is doing? Uh, what is this thing in Colorado? Who are these three court Michigan? What? So we can, but because the big guys don't go in there, so. You know, your Blanton's, your Eagle Rare, your Forrester, all the big names, big labels are in through big distributors. And, of course, you have to work. Now, if they're a wine and beer distributor, they'll never admit this, but this is what happens. If you don't buy enough beer from me, you don't get Blanton's. Oh, okay. (laughs) Absolutely. We actually talked about that in one of our previous episodes, Republic uh, Distributing, formerly of uh, uh, the distributor for Sazerac, has been squeezed yep. out, and uh, they were accused of that very thing. And well, yeah. uh, we all know that it was I, happening. Well, you know, and it was a strength and a weakness for us because we had a, a, a pretty superior wine list for, for the town, and that's what everyone wanted. They At one point, the distributors said, okay, you're going to want a bourbon bar, whatever, everyone does that, but you've got, you know, 50 different wines on the shelf, and these are, you know, not your high end, but a good. Stuff. So if you give me 50 of your, you know, half of your labels and wines, then we can get you Eagle Rare, Blanton's, whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, or you just order it, we put you on the list, and when it comes in, we'll send it to you. If it's available. So we, we didn't play, if yeah, we didn't play that game. Yeah. If it comes in, and there isn't someone ahead of you, and, you know, all that baloney, and it, 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 it's baloney. But um, we didn't play it because we were going after younger, you know, we, that was our whole niche, was like, okay, what has no one heard of? That was the first thing. And then we taste it, and if it, I'll be blunt, if it sucked, it didn't get on the shelf. Okay. But if it had potential, if it had potential, okay, it's only two years old, I get it, I really like the story, everything down to where you guys come from, and then what will you do for us? I mean, they would come and do tasting, you know, they're small, Yeah. they're going to do whatever they can to, to move come out product. there and get their name on. Yeah. Right. So and, probably- and we're really, we were we were really in the work that way with them, too. So that's how that worked. I mean, I got tons of stories on working with distribution. Uh, the old Blanton's thing, you know, Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, that whole house, 
and then whenever some, you know, in Wisconsin, just people would move just because if one distributor had Blanton's, another distributor did not. So right. effectively, you'd only have one distributor that would have that product. Right, and it was probably Republic back in those days, because Republic. I don't know what. Yeah, um, I, I, and I don't. I probably shouldn't mention yeah. the name to be honest with you, but I think they yeah. all took different names in the state too. Sure, sure. So there are sub levels yeah. of sub levels probably. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. I, I mean, like, almost like they're shells, but I wouldn't say that either. That that'd be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I won't listen to it then. <laughs> yeah, cool. and, and you know, building up the. the it's funny you mentioned because I think I should probably write a book because I was very very fortunate. To be at the ground level, and like I alluded to earlier, developing a, a palette for our bourbon club was the same thing. We developed the palette for the city, which is, I'm not being, you know, over, you know, whatever, I'm not being, there's no hubris there. But when I look back on it, they were, the whole city was drinking bur- uh, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. That was it. Johnny Walker, maybe. Yeah. Maybe on the scratch side. But when we came in, literally, all the other bars, and down there's people buying Russell's, which, you know, great, yeah. great choice. But, you know, and now I understand in that town there is going to be a pure bourbon bar moving in. So the market is still there. And, right. You know, this guy's going to do bourbon and champagne. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that fact. I, it, it, like, our, our, um, our bourbon club started out with maybe 12 guys, and they said nothing but bourbon. I don't want – and when they said bourbon, they meant Jack Daniels and Jimmy Bean. <laughs> right, guys, let's just settle down. So we sl- one of my distributors brought in – Brandy, whiskey, not bourbon, yeah. and all this other stuff. And she got land. I mean, we heard about it for weeks. Like, don't ever do that again. It's got to be bourbon, bourbon, bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time I got out of there, we had them doing everything. Yeah. Right. And this is nothing high proof. We don't like high proof. Uh huh. It was 110, 115, you know, yeah. all of it. And, and tequila. So I started yeah. bringing in tequilas. And, they, you know, so it was that, that to me was probably the coolest thing. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I said, wow, we really did develop a palette for these guys. Sure, and, yeah. sure. Yeah, that was great. That was great. So you've touched on this a little bit, but you're curating or bringing in product. How do you maintain that extensive collection of what you said, 230? Well, we had 241 okay. in that range, all right? And when you say, how do you maintain, like, like well... Well, I guess we and yes, we did revolve some in and out, right? Because right. It did, the palette did evolve. We resisted the, you know, buy a case here, get this one for free kind of thing. Okay. We might take it. We might take it, but you know, it would not it would go on the rail, not on you know, because the rail is where you have your regular Jack Daniels, your no name rum, vodka stuff, that kind of regular stuff for seven and sevens and whiskey and all that. Now, if you got to the shelf, and then of course the shelf, we had three different levels. Right. Uh, you know, top left was all the good stuff, and it, and our our lower level was better than most people's top level. But sure. uh, and, and and honestly, we'd see what sold, right? I mean, yeah. and, and what was really great is like this goes back to the palate. Is I know I could tell, okay, I could taste this. All right, the club's gonna like this, and we will sell this, and we will sell a lot of it. And uh, I was rarely wrong on that. Right. The only time we were ever wrong is when we listened to a distributor and he said, wow, you buy three cases of this, we'll give you a case of that for free. And, you know, or whatever it was. And then six months later, we still had that. Hey, oh, that didn't work yeah. out too well. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's how we did. We, and, and it's going to sound dumb, but I would say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays, I was tasting new, new bourbons. Okay. And 
like 11 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard it's to exactly. believe there's that many different kinds of bourbons out there, but there's way more than that. And they open up yeah, a whole different agree. world as and well. To say they're coming out of the woodwork is now even more, because yeah. now the ones that started two or three years ago are coming out. Yeah. And now what, I'm really, what I really miss is the fact that some of the guys that I got behind of maybe four years ago are bringing out their five-year stuff. So yeah. like now I know it should be good. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right. You know, Wisconsin had a lot of local guys that, that were new. Jay Henry was one that, that had, right. you know, mm-hmm. it, actually, I'm wearing a shirt right here, that, and yeah. there were a bunch up north, uh, Eau Claire had some, um, and, and, you 40, know, they were the typical, we're just going to start, they started releasing their two, three-year stuff, or their vodka, whatever. but Jay Henry was was probably one of the better ones I ever tasted that was local. Yeah, and, that one is a good one. We've gotten to have a, a few different offerings of right. Jay Henry every time we've gone mm-hmm. back to Wisconsin. Yeah. and then... And, they're distilled and bottled by 45th Parallel. Did you were you ever familiar with with that one? They're also pretty. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That and you know that's where I learned that the distillation process is like three percent of the entire process. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Um, what I like about Jay Henry is he uses the red corn. Yeah. Right. right. In here. Yeah. And the, the story. Thing, I love yeah. the story. That's how he met his wife. His wife was a. And I'm going to be totally wrong, but I'll, I'll call her a botanist. All right, she was in the corn science department, whatever that is, <laughs> and uh, he wanted that. <laughs> yeah. He wanted that red corn, so he had to go there, and she was the one who brought him the seeds so they could grow the corn, and then the rest is history. Yeah. Matter of fact, one of, one of my most favorite stories is me and Brian. So we do this. If I'm talking too much, cut me off. Uh. For, for the Bourbon Club, we would go out on excursion. We do we try and do something special for the Bourbon Club. This one time, we said, okay, we're going to go on an excursion, Brian and I, and we're going to go to these small liquor stores throughout Wisconsin, video videotape. We're going to record it. We'll do the iPhone stuff. We'll take pictures, and we'll go out to these little stores in the middle of nowhere and see what we find. And we went out in the middle of nowhere, and we found treasures. It's like, holy moly. And people who know who knew their bourbon, it's like, wow, dude, this is cool. And we drove way out past Jay Henry. All right, well, okay, well, maybe we should stop on the way back to see Jay Henry because the signs are there. We come back, Jay Henry, this, we go to see the, the, the distillery. Of course, it's closed the day we were, I think it was a Monday, we're out. It's raining. I mean, it is coming down, cats and dogs. Like, well, let's just go through, take pictures, and then we'll come back and we'll present the pictures like we were there. Okay, let's go. So we go in. <laughs> There's a lady in the parking lot. Uh, so we drive, hey, when did the tour start? And she goes, well, we're not open, but uh, yeah, I know, we just drove up. Well, why don't you park and come on in, and then I'll talk to you for a little bit. Okay. So we go in, and that, it's Jay Henry's wife who said that. So we're, we're getting a, a private tasting from her, and then Jay comes up, John comes up, and he says, so now Brian and I, we go out to the, to the, to the Rick house. He tells me all about how they dry the corn. This, the, the corn drying process, it's huge. It's a machine that, I don't know, maybe you guys know this. I didn't know this. It's, like, it's, a, it's, it's a conveyor belt system and all that. It's like, god dang, acre or two long? It's huge, humongous. Yeah. So he, you know, we get the private tour there with him. And say we, so it was great. Well, that's one of the kismet things that happens. That's how I got the shirt, everything. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. That, and again, that's a bourbon story. I bet it's repeated a million times because yeah. these yeah. guys who make bourbon, that's the way they are. Well, right? bourbon is nothing but a story. Yeah. It's just, how many right. years go into the 
into the process of it that it just it has that history it has that legacy so yeah so let's peel back the onion just a little bit further you're setting up the whiskey bar okay what about uh, glassware I know you're drinking out of a, a, a rocks glass right now right right um well very interesting you say that because the uh what's it called a uh, Glen Cairn Here's the problem we had those glasses. Everyone gives it to us for free, right? The distri distributors will say, oh, we need some glasses. Okay, here's a few hundred. Okay, perfect. They always get stolen. Or they, they get never, broken. They <laughs> never, <laughs> or they get broken. They're, right. So we learned early, don't serve in these glasses Friday, Saturdays, because they're either going to get thrown against the wall, they're going to disappear, or whatever. And so then we ended up just giving them away. So you see yeah. that? So this. What is that? that oh, I like it, the lip. That is yeah. a, a jelly jar. Okay. Oh. It is. It's made by Weck, which I think is a German company. We love them. We've talked about them a few different times on our show for okay. the listeners okay. who you know may be sitting in and they may know what we're talking about. But they're just short little tulip jars, um, really fat lip, like you mentioned. For yeah. about two seconds, it takes adjusting to that fat lip. So, you, so your but, lip can hook on it. But once you once it's adjusted, you never really want to go back. They sit in the palm so nicely. Um, they're durable. Well, they're nice. really durable. <laughs> they're really hard to break. Well, they, look, they look thin. They look a little thinner than the... They're, the, they're a jelly the jar. Glasses. I mean, they look thicker. They look yeah. thicker. Yeah, they're a yeah. jelly jar. Right. I think you can... Well, get, I would say, to answer your question, is there, there's definitely a difference in the glassware that you use. And I know there's a difference even in wines, but yeah. certainly with with the bourbons because of the whole, you know the whole aroma and getting the vape everything in there. It, if you're serious about it, that's the. And when we did our clubs, we would try and use those glasses. But once again, that you know yeah. when you're in this high volume stuff, it's tough to do. I sure. Mean, we, we, now this makes sense now. So we would use the small. What are the small little glasses that you would put you know uh, uh, tomatoes in and store them over? Over oh, like a little mason jar? Mason jars, yeah. yes. So we had smaller mason jars. Yep. And now it makes sense because they have a little rim at the yeah, top yeah. that is almost like that lip. Yep. They're thicker, a little bit bigger than those. And we could, we never got rid of them. No. Nope. Because yeah. people wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. And you can buy oh, a wow. case of them for, two, or a case of 12 for like oh. 12 bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Approximately. We love them, yeah. We love them. So yeah. Yeah. now it makes sense that taste wasn't I mean after a certain point that's another thing so the bourbon club I think we could pour maybe one or two before it didn't matter what we did <laughs> my bourbon clubs were seven to eight samples at least and we would and these were heavy pours this was a good good time so we would go very slow I would bring in I brought in the Duke people I brought in uh, Jefferson you bring in the distillers to come in and talk to your folks not the distributors. But there was very rarely would you find a distributor who knew their stuff when it right. came to either tequila or bourbon. They just knew what they read on the pamphlet on the trip over, which is, okay, that's not going to work, dude, but here, let me, I'll talk. You just pour. Yeah. But that was, and, you know, yeah, we had some pretty high-end distillers come in, too, this little town in Oconomowoc. So um, that, that seven to eight um, pours that you do, that flight, you'd have different distributors. How often would you, like, would you have a, a flight that was most popular that you kept going for an extended period of time, or was it just always in rotation with 
who was the next big up and coming thing in the bar? Well, I'll tell you what, that's an excellent question because we would use the Bourbon Club to test, right? Okay. Because okay. exactly, I mean, okay, we got the Marines came in with this, this two-year-old fresh, wasn't that good, it wasn't, but it wasn't terrible. There was no oil, it was, it was just bitter, it was just young, that's all, it was just young. Yeah. So we brought them in, honestly, the taste wasn't enough for the, for the, for the club, but the story was great. We picked it up. We didn't go whole hog on it, but we picked it up. And what and it was very interesting because we ended up selling lots of cases of it. I mean, a lot of it. So yeah, I would I would use the club and go, okay, we got a little bit of something, something because the disturbance come. Oh, you got to try this. It's very popular. All right, it may be popular where you're at, but we're going to find out right. if it's popular here. Right. And then you work with the distributors. Go, listen, I got a club. I got a you know a bourbon club in two months. Can you bring in two cases and we'll try it out? Right? We don't want to buy the cases. Just the whole game. I mean, it's like, okay, you bring right. in the cases, we'll you bring in the cases, we'll taste it. If it, if the club likes it, we'll bring it, we'll set you up on the shelf. Right. Boom. And if they did, they did. And then like you said, okay, so I'm always keeping my eye open. This is you know, what's the newest thing? What okay, yeah. what are you on again? On the interwebs, whatever. And I don't I don't subscribe to the, 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 the big um, YouTube guys, I don't subscribe to the, because by now, by now, there, there's a narrative behind it. And, and I'm very, I, I, the, the best bourbon collection, bottle collection, is empty bottles. I'm not a guy who's going to put 700 bottles in my basement. I mean, what the, it just drives me nuts. Yeah. And the whole hunter thing, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that's a black market gig that everyone is falling for, and, and you're, you're just hurting the whole experience, right? And I don't know. I saw a special the other day where the guy says, "No, um, we're gonna we're gonna drink this bottle. It was a three hundred, two hundred dollar bottle. We're gonna drink it all tonight. We're not gonna save it because we may not be here tomorrow." Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. What are you gonna do? Who's gonna get your seven hundred bottles if something happens tomorrow? You know, it isn't about what's in the bottle. It's about what happens when you open it and you drink it with other people. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah, that's something we really try to drive yeah. home here on on our channel with talking about how bourbon is the story it's about the camaraderie that you have when you're drinking it it's the atmosphere that can influence the goodness of the uh, of the pour on its own you know Absolutely. regardless of whatever the whiskey is that's in there if you're with good people and having a good time your whiskey's gonna taste good <laughs> yep. so you don't need to do that two hundred dollar bottle or whatever there's a movie that we um, that we promote on our website. It's uh, it's a documentary of a whole bunch of distilleries, and it's called Neat. And one of the distilleries, he had been saying like, "Oh, we have this brilliant bottle. It's so I think fantastic. it was like a pappy. Yeah, it was like it was something like that. And they're like, "We gotta save it. We gotta save it for like a really really big occasion." And the distiller's father was like, "No." No, we're not going to save it because bourbon is meant to be enjoyed. Just like what you said, just like what you said, it is meant to be enjoyed with people in the moment. It is a very present tense drink to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's Absolutely. A very, it's a drink that you should have in the present, not in the future. Not, yeah. And they did finish that bottle. And as it turned out, the guy's father and his brother were both gone in six months. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah. I've seen that. Fred, yeah. Freddie yeah. Johnson yeah. So, out of Buffalo Trace. Yep. Yeah. But I imagine that you guys. Yep, that's in, very poignant. Yeah, yeah, I imagine you guys in the club 
when you're sitting down and enjoying whatever it is, whether it is a whole flight or whether it's a pour of whatever, that that same kind of thing goes on, that camaraderie, that, you know, let's just kick back. Sometimes it's not even about having a glass. Sometimes it's just about, hey, let's sit down and hang out for a little while. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. And, and I've seen it happen in the club. I've seen it happen at the end of the bar. I've seen it happen at other bars, other establishments. I, and, and, you know, what if, at Vino, we did that on purpose. We would do, I would do private bourbon, quote, tours, right? And it was, the, the, the bourbon bar was set aside from the regular bar. It was connected, but there was just a separate section. And we, we would do a tour of the 241 bourbons. And I have to tell you, it would be four guys, it could be eight people, it could be 12, it could be 20. But within two, ten minutes of actually starting it off, there was that where you can just tell when everything breaks down, and it could be alcohol, but it, it may not be. Yeah. With the conversations, then it, it just it, it becomes an experience right then and there. Yeah. Right? And I, that's one of the things I absolutely loved about it. Yeah. And what I really liked is that, the, you know, a lot of people have heard of this bourbon thing. Now, maybe there's more that do, but a lot heard of But what is this? You know, and then just being able to do the whole, whole ABC thing. What's bourbon? ABC. Yeah. I loved doing that. And they got that. I guess I should say, well, the ABC, ABC American uh, barrels and corn. That's the three basic things that, that are bourbon, right? It's got to be made in America. It's got to be oak uh, charred barrels used once, and then it's got to be 51% corn, right? If you know that at a party, you are now the bourbon expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and then guys would love it. And then, you know, I, I'd pull, like, Uncle Nearest off the shelf and tell that story. And then, well, what's this Van Pant? Yeah, whatever. I'd tell him about Van, whatever. And then, hey, don't you have Blanton's? Everyone's got Blanton's. Yeah, well, let me tell you about Blanton's. And then just go at it, and i pull some... Oh, what was it? Black Saddle. I think we might have talked about it. Yeah. Black yeah. Saddle is like comes out of nowhere. It's like, but try this one. It's made. We don't even know who makes it. So just try it. And oh wow, and the people have never heard of it and love it. Okay, let's follow it up with a little bit of Evil Rare. How do you like that? Whoa, that's good. Or I do Buffalo Trace. What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, that's not you know the whole. Yeah. I loved it, and and people bite down on it and go with it. What's even more interesting. Is we saw an increase in women coming in. Yeah. 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 I got to tell you, that was the is the coolest thing, right? When that happens, because we're not the guys aren't exclusive. We don't get out. Come on in. It's it's like yeah, come. You know, what do you think about it? And the palettes is okay. So much better. Yeah. It's 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 scientifically proven that women have a have more taste buds, more uh, a better palate than. Yep. than men do. It's just I'm the fact. I, w- just the- I would drop something on somebody, and they, you know, of course, I don't know what I like. Okay. What would you, and, you know, if you're at a party, would, have you ever had Jack Daniels? No. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you, you start out with something really, um, what did we start out with? Rock and rye. You, you, you know, rock and rye, it's a rye with uh, rock uh, sugar in it. You know, that's the whole, yeah. you know, the rock and rye is, a, in the older days, they had rye uh, whiskey. They put rock uh, sugar in it yeah. to oh, make okay. it taste better. Oh, okay. So a rock and rye, there was one out of um, northern Wisconsin, female-owned distillery. She made rock and rye, designed her own labels, which were really cool looking. So that's, you know, look at this. The label looks neat. Try it. And if, if they even, if they like the rock and rye, then I could move forward. And I would go into, you know, maybe uh, Elijah, something wheat, something, you know, a little bit lighter until, until I found out where her edge was. But if she didn't like rock and rye, 
it's like, okay, well, I don't know where to go from here. So let's try some rum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but more, they really did like it. Yeah. So let's talk about your enthusiasts, your 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 guys, your main customers, what have you. But mm-hmm. I want to break it down for for the listeners out there. When you're pouring, somebody's going to ask for a quantity. You know, whether that quantity is, hey, I I want a finger, I want two fingers, I want I want a shot. I w-. talk about the pours themselves. What does neat mean to you? Well, neat to me means no ice. Okay. Okay. That's where it first starts. Okay. When you talk about pouring, okay, and this was our theory. So I was in charge of pricing. Okay. I would do a cost up model, which I understand now no one does in the I did no one does a cost up. They always do a retail down. Retail's made up. There's, there's yeah. whatever. So I do a cost up. I go, okay, we want to make X amount of dollars out of this bottle. All right, it's all math. Yeah. There's what? Whatever number of shots available in 750 milliliters, blah, 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 blah. The bottle cost me 18 bucks for me to make 50% profit. It's all math. It's yep. all math. Yep. All right. So what I would do is I would inflate that. Because, no, because we yep. didn't want people, we didn't want my bartenders actually looking like they're measuring it to the ounce in front of a customer. Okay. There were little tricks. The two finger, right? That's a trick. But I, I would tell my bartenders. Don't worry about overpouring. Don't worry about it. It's built into the pricing. I got that covered. Because what happens is that what I overpour and they're gonna buy more and more and more. And when they may buy more Budweiser, not anymore, but they may buy Miller Lite, whatever. Didn't matter. So we would our pours are pretty good. Literally, they were they were designed to be good. And we didn't measure it with eyedroppers in front of them like that. That that whole talking about the experience, to yeah. me, that to me, as, as someone who's been on the other side of the bar, and I see someone do this, I say, ah, oh, dude, you had a meeting in the morning, didn't you? You guys aren't making as much as you want, do you? If you have to, if they're not measuring it for taste, they're measuring it for margin. And I don't, I don't agree with that. So, but if someone says two fingers, go with two fingers. We had glasses that had marks on them, right? Okay. So order the mark, Yeah. whatever. With our bar, we didn't, you know, really care because when we looked at it at the end of the month, we're making money. We're making lots of money. Okay. Period. What about uh, on the rocks? Doesn't matter. What do you mean on the, uh, the, the so, amount of the pour? Or yeah, the amount of the pour. Or ice. Amount of ice. Uh, okay, so if you're looking at a rail, a Jack and Coke, you pack the ice, and that's fine. They don't care. But on on the bourbon bar side, you ask. You want it neat. You want a little a little. One chunk. Do you want the? I would always say, hey, suggest ice on the side. Let them add the ice. Okay. All right. And then we did do the globes and the cubes. But again, some of our bartenders, you know, oh well, we don't have cubes because someone forgot to put. Them. All right, whatever. All right. Don't don't bring up the cubes or the balls. Or the, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, all right. So you always ask, and if they say on the rocks, ask again. A lot of rocks. How many rocks? You know, because because. If you stay on the rocks in any of the bar, they pack it. They pack it up, and and most of the guys at the at the bourbon bar don't want that. Right. Right. All right. So that part I did educate the bartenders on, and that was easy enough for them for them to handle. So there's an unfortunate trend out there right now, and I've I've only heard it since the end of last year, that some bars around the country are charging more for a neat glass versus on the rocks. 
Okay, so charging more for NEAT. Because the theory so, is they're getting more. Well, that's stupid. I understand <laughs> that. I'm glad to see your reaction. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's it's, stupid. Yeah. All right. I'll draw an analogy to the, uh, the copier industry, which everyone knows. <laughs> so for years and years and years and years, the copier industry was charging on how many clicks, how many prints came out of the machine. Right. Right. You put a piece of paper on the glass. It makes it scans, and it makes a copy. You charge for the copy. Well, now some people are thinking, well, we should charge for the scan. Well, you haven't done it for two decades. Why do it now? Right? Mm -hmm. You're just trying to get money for some reason. You know, whatever. So the customer experience is degraded. If they're doing it, that's dumb. And that's just, I, listen, I've seen the profit margins you can get on bottles of whatever. They're <laughs> huge. So there's something else wrong in the business, all right, if you can't make money on your liquor. There's something else. There's another cost hole somewhere. That, that, so I, I, I have not heard that yet. And, and but, I only hear it because I follow lots of different RSS feeds and what have you because this is what I do. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so somebody orders a double. How much goes into a double? Two shots or two, well, whatever that is. It's probably three ounces at 1.5. Yeah, 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 somewhere in that range. Right? All right, yeah. cool. So you're now, wait a minute, why do you ask that? What's going on with that? <laughs> okay, well, I don't know of any that are playing with that. There, We have a favorite restaurant here, a real favorite restaurant, and I wish that they had smaller glasses. They have these huge rocks glasses, and when we, we get a pour, um, usually we're going in, and, and I'll be frank, we're not buying cheap bourbon i mean yeah we're, we're yeah, going okay these are these are the bourbons they've got on the shelf that are uh either part of idaho's lottery system so we haven't been able to purchase any of these bottles or it's a bottle that's extremely expensive that we don't want to go all in on that we haven't had before yeah. so we'll go okay you've got this you know i've had a, a sazerac 18 year over there we've had a pappy uh, 12, a, tw a, a Pappy 12 uh, yep. or maybe a Pappy 15 over there. Yep. Um, We've also had, well, they, they have regular have, uh, bookers. They've had the uh, uh, Colonel Taylor barrel proofs. They've just, they, they have the premium. What did they give you for those? What, what, what's the range on those? About $35 <laughs> a pour. Okay. And that's that's an ounce or ounce and a half rather. Yeah. Uh, okay. And... So Fortunately, we've got some of that too. So, yeah. you know, we don't have to spend that kind of money. But uh, recently, we had some uh, Weller single barrel, and frankly, I was disappointed. Weller is a pretty stellar brand, but yeah. that particular barrel was not their best offering. You know, it happens. It happens. It happens. So let's talk bourbon flights a little bit. Hannah touched on okay. it a little bit. Um, when you would set up a flight, now let's not go to your bourbon club, but you're setting up a flight. Somebody comes in, they say, I want a flight. What are you pouring? Are you pouring what they're asking or are you, how do you, how do you decide what you're going to pour? That is a great question, right? And it, it tells a lot about the establishment, how this is put together, okay? So in general, a lot of people already have standard flights. It's on the menu, this is what you get. Whatever it is, boom, 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 boom. 
I never did it that way. All right, it's going to be flights at three different pricing levels, three different pricing levels. All right, and it's going to be five, and we're going to talk about what you might want, based because because I've got moving targets. You're right, you know, like we're switching people out. We've got this brand yeah. new thing that is really good on the shelf. We've got some that were, you know, it's, it's a dynamic on both sides. So when someone orders a flight, they may say, "So what's on this flight?" Well, okay, what do you like? That this is where we're at. That's where I did it. It's like. Tell me what you like. Well, I don't know. Okay, then tell me what was the last time you had any type of whiskey out. Did you have an old fashioned? Do you have a Manhattan? What you know? What do you like? And then, then I would build a flight for that particular customer. That's the way I would do it. That's the way I would teach the, the bartenders to do it. Some people got it. Some some people didn't. But the ones who did get it had much higher tips. Listen, you're, you're you know, if someone wants a flight. They want an experience. They really do. They want to know more. Now, then you get the dudes who think they know everything. Yeah, I'm going to have a flight. All right, what do you want? Well, I want that, 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 and that, and that. Okay, well, that's going to be the high-end flight, not the middle pricing. Right. So, yeah. But then I'll even talk, well, why? What, what, you know, do you already know these? Yes. Well, okay. Why don't, then what I would even do is like, okay, I would even give them a taste. Listen, if you like Eagle Rare, if you like Blanton's, and you like all this stuff that you know about, have you tried any rye? No, I don't like rye. Okay, here, try just a little teeny tiny bit of the rye and see what you like. Boom, boom. Okay, we're going to throw a rye. I'll throw in this that you like, and, I'll, and then I'll pick something that based on these things that you like and this rye that I think you might like. And honestly, if, if something comes up that they don't like, all right, then I throw that. Oh, let's try another one. All of this seems so intuitive to you like what whether it's the size of the pour or catering to a specific customer's palate with a flight you know how did you get to that level you know did, did you have bar experience before all of this to know this is how i want you know how i want to run a bar or like how how did that all come to be because oh oh that's boy, like oh the, so, what you're describing really is the ideal bar experience for me anyway, you know, to have more of an interaction as opposed to a transaction. Oh, man, write that down. That's really good. <laughs> that's good. That's good in bars and in sales in general, right? An interaction, not a transaction. Um, you know what? That's a good question. I never know. I have no formal quote unquote training. And next few statements will be probably so when I in college. <laughs> All right, okay. okay. There's your training. <laughs> Here we go. We all found our there. I got University it. Rochester, Michigan, uh, high end. You know, in, in, no football team. You know, academic, right? Um, and then, uh, so my father. Oh boy, here we go. And my dad is a calc teacher in high school, calculus. So I grew up with that. Yikes. Um, and, I, and I, I'm not good at math, but okay. So we did that. Went to Oakland University. Uh, one of his students went there. Recommended I come there. I, le I loved it. It's a uh, 12,000 in, in students and 1,200 live on campus. Decided to live on campus. Got through. I went into as a freshman to this new this floor called Penthouse. So each floor had their own name, right? Well, Penthouse was Penthouse because it was the ninth floor. It was the top floor. Okay, that makes sense. Wow. All right, I get there, oh, yeah, this is the top floor, and it is the party floor of the campus. I had no idea. So as a freshman, and we had juniors and seniors up there, this is when it happened. I know it, so it's like, okay, I have to be part of these guys. They're nuts. They're, this is Animal House. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Yeah. So 
In my second year, I go back. I remember this as clear as day. The last year, some guy was moving out. Seniors, he goes, hey, you want this stuff? I built, you know, because we would build these, our beds in, in the room. We put them up in lofts so that we had space and all this. Guy had a bar. He had a redwood bar. I said, you want that? I bought it. Go up the next year. First thing, you know, a big suite. Other kids are coming in. Freshmen are coming in with their moms and their dads. And I'm moving the desks out of the room. Saying, yeah, we don't need these. <laughs> and I'm, I'm bringing in a bar. A little bar. Like a real live, you know. It was built out of pallets, but the top was redwood. Very, very nice, slick bar. Put that on. High enough to put a half barrel on, which were illegal. But yeah. only if you get caught. Half barrel. So, so, yeah, that's where it happened. That's where it started. I was on the other side. That I would study at the bar. And then Friday, Saturday night, I'm behind the bar. But... People were coming in. We had a great stereo system. We, it was the it was the party floor. I didn't know it until I'm looking back. Oh, that's no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so is, is it intuitive? I guess it is now. But here's the big key. This is the way I would want to do it. Yeah. Right. If I'm on the other side of the bar, that's what I want. Now, having been on both sides, I understand that's not that's just not the way it's going to be right. every single time because there's other motivators back there. But if I always, I guess it's empathy, but you know, if a dude, if I'm on the other, if some new guy walks in, I love it because yep. now I, I've gone through that journey. That's another thing. Yep. So I you, loved Jeff you, Daniels. Yeah. You <laughs> mentioned music, okay? Music yeah. is very dear to us, mm-hmm. and more so to Alora. Very much so. So, Perfect. how do you? I'm going to use the wrong words. Alora, help me here. How do you create? Uh, better experience with like the music selection because like in the bar what kind of music would you would you play to just wow. heighten the experience for everyone that is an excellent question and one that most bars completely and totally miss right and this goes back that goes beyond this what you got music is back that music is that common thread with everything and everyone that is the backdrop at some point it could be up on the front stage it could be right in your forehead it doesn't matter but so it's funny because i manage the bands too so and if you okay look at this we've got a a wine bar and then we've got a bourbon bar all right two totally different demographics i mean you can't on the outside we were able to merge them but on the outside it's like okay you got wine guys you get yeah and then so what what music do you bring in well, so from noon to one, I may have a single performer and female. She may be a guitar, acoustic, whatever. Um, or I'll bring a violinist in with complete instrumental. We've had bagpipers, which is excellent. Um, but when we get so, so, and then with the bourbon time was probably around like three to seven. Because in this bar at seven o'clock, the band's going to start at nine. These are bands. These are wow. Rip Roaring, guitar yeah. bands, Budweiser. No one's ordering, you know, spirits. Uh, Elijah Craig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're ordering spirits, but, they, but there's but, more White Claws and Jack Daniels going down than anything else. So, so the bourbon bar pretty much settles, which is fine. So, but but for for like a, our bourbon clubs would be on a Wednesday night, and the deal is the bourbon club starts at, I don't know, six. We want the guys to hang around and buy more booze up and up with them. So the music is not headbanging music, 
but it's Frank Sinatra. It's 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 good stuff. It's live. That's another thing. Yeah. Right. Live. It doesn't, even if it sucks, because to to somebody in the room, this music is gonna suck. Whatever, dude. It's live. It's fine. It's great. So I, I would, and it's music is very con. I'm, it's a very conscious choice on my part. It's like okay, even when I'm having bourbon tours, right? If it's just me and the tour in the building, the music is very important. You know, it's in the background when they come in. It can be, it might be, it depends, right? It might be more jazzy, but as we get going, depending on, and I, I look at the generation that they're from, it can be anything from, it could be, you know, White Lion, Def Leppard, or it could be Post Malone, or it could be something else, right? I've never missed on any of that. One time, I mean, oh boy. So I had one crew come in at 11 p.m. We close at 12. These are the guys who I know. They're big shooters. They love, quote unquote, love bourbon. They don't know shit about it, but they love bourbon. <laughs> we, were there till, we were there till three in the morning. Did a whole complete bourbon tour of a lot of bourbon. And we listened to Greta, Bentley. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, every single song they did. This is, God, this is during COVID. So every single song they had, and we're killing, we're going, oh man, these guys are great. I put on one Led Zeppelin song and they went quiet and they said, you know what, Greta sucks. <laughs> when you compare that to Led Zeppelin, it's like, holy crap, the, 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 the orchestration, the arrangement, I mean, now we're getting into music. Yeah, yeah, right. there, is, there was no comparison. Now, talking about Greta, they got a new album coming out in July. It's going to be, it's going to take off. They've, They've really it. been laying it down, yeah. establishing oh themselves hard. Yeah. Oh. So the last time I saw them, they were kids. And they're from Frankenmuth, Michigan. They're, they're really? from up the street here. Yeah, and Frankenmuth is a smaller town than Oconomowoc. It's like, you know, a German little chicken town that's got a, um, a Christmas store that's open 364 days. It's Christmas <laughs> <there>. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Yeah. But uh, I, I saw him. It's funny. We're talking. I just saw him two or three days ago on online. They got some stuff going. Now they've got beards and mustaches. I know. Like, yeah. When I first saw them, they were just like high school kids that couldn't shave. Yeah. But uh, anyway. Put your money on them because yeah. they they are going they are they're going to kill it they're going to kill it anyway so yeah back to the, yeah music is very important and yeah I consciously choose what I want to hear and what I think that the crowd is going to want to hear at the same time wow I should yeah. probably open a bar yeah maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe so I got to ask you this infinity infinity whiskey long time ago I wrote an article you reached out to me and said. So what's in your infinity bottle? And I said to myself, what the heck is an infinity bottle? And then I had to do some research. So do you do infinity whiskey? Or did you at your bar? Oh, we did at the bar. Absolutely. 110% yes. I don't do it here because there's never, I, I empty every bottle. Okay. All right. So, but, but yeah, because no matter what, you're going to have enough in the bottom of the bottle that does not reach a shot. And then what is it sit on the shelf like that mm -hmm. looks terrible looks terrible so yeah it goes in the infinity bottle and we had two we had the the bourbon one and we had a rye because we made the mistake one year of mixing rye in with the other ones and it was yeah. terrible no mixes although one year we had we could have sold it at 25 dollars a shot it was so good yeah. <laughs> oh my and we, we had people going what is this i don't know 
I really don't know. Yeah. I had a label. I had a label where we would write what we put in it, and it it, was, it got you know messy. You couldn't read it anyway. I have no idea what's in here, and I was never able to do it again. Yeah. Never able to do it again. But, yeah, but that yeah, only contributes I, I like the to idea. the story. That only contributes to the story, you know, and the development of the club culture of yeah, we've got this bottle that we have all kind of contributed to ourselves, and we can right. have a pour of it whenever and. That's really cool. It's a chapter. Yeah. So we have an infinity bottle. Okay. Ooh, excellent. So how we got started, Hannah and I like high-proof bourbons. Okay. Okay. When we say high-proof, we're not talking 115. We're not talking 118. We're 120 plus. Yeah. So we've got some 130s. So what we would do is... I would pour some in my glass. She would pour wait, some. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say 130? Yeah, yeah. we got some that are 136. The, like the, the Stag Juniors and the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Yeah. Those yeah. ones are regularly ones. up in there. Yeah. Regularly up right. in that range. Yeah. Okay. And, and I would pour some. I would pour some for Hannah. We would have it. We would do a review. And we would have two totally different experiences. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. It'd be very odd. So... I typically was taking the first pour, and she was typically taking the second pour. So then we decided, you know what, we need to fix this. So I would pour a little bit in my glass, and then a little bit in her glass, and we'd just go back and forth. Okay? Then we decided, you know what, that still isn't really doing it. How about we take the first one and a half ounces off the top, and we will pour that in our infinity bottle. So our infinity bottle is called the neck pour. Yeah. Like so it's just it's called the, the neck pour. So just neck. Every, yeah. 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 So okay. every single uh, really high proof, the 120 plus proof bottle, as soon as it gets opened, the neck pour goes into our infinity bottle. So we've filled that bottle five times. <laughs> okay. It's, it's just in constant you, rotation. Yes. That means you've emptied it five times. Well, we right? don't empty it. We'll pour off, I'm going to tell you, 12 ounces, which is roughly half the bottle. Okay. Because there's 25 ounces, if you don't spill, in a single <laughs> bottle. Uh, okay. 750 milliliters. Okay. okay. So then we, we fill it back up. So there's always some residual from the previous pours. So, well, wait, wait, back up so I understand yeah, correctly. Yes. When you say, you said pour out, and I don't, I don't know if I, I want to hear that. What, what do you mean pour out? Do you it, not it, drink it? Drink, we yeah, pour it into yeah. glasses. We yeah. pour it into four milliliter. And you drink it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. four milliliter bottles. I've given <laughs> bottles to people, whatever. The very first bottle we had was uh, chocolate-covered raisins with corn and brown sugar and oak. It was phenomenal. The second one, not so good. The third one was better. Now, I haven't had any of the fourth and fifth pour. They're in bottles waiting for us. We made a mistake, or didn't make a mistake. I don't know, because we haven't tasted it yet. We ended up pouring in about half the bottle of 130-plus bourbons. It's oh, we're currently sitting on our infinity bottle at one four, one 
32 or 129 something. Proof. Proof. Wow. So I've never heard of anyone having to cut their infinity bottle. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's in our bottle. And and it's all because well, I like that neck idea. That is a great idea. That's wonderful. And, the and neck. I, the neck pour. The yeah. neck pour. Yep. So I And there's a bunch of lore about that. You know, some people will say, Oh, it's not real. There's nothing different about the neck pour versus the bottom of the, the bottle pour. It's all the same. I disagree. You know, science can say whatever it wants. Usually I'm all about the science, but on this one, I'm like, I, there's something different in that first pour. The aeration of it as it breathes does impact what's in that bottle. I'll like, I'll put my, I'll put money on that. Well, it's also because like no, the I'm... environment affects the taste. The warmer it gets. Yeah, that too. I mean, it's all temperature. Wood absorbs water from the air. Like, Right. I mean, all the time. I have to deal with this problem a lot. Clarinet player. <laughs> yeah, because I play clarinet. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I yeah. have to deal with this every single day. <laughs> I'm getting a different read every day, no matter how many times I play on it. So okay. bourbon is kind of like that, in my opinion. Yeah. It changes every single day, simply yeah. because the environment changes. Every I would day. argue. I would argue with you guys, right? You crack the seal, take the neck, because especially in a bar environment, that thing may sit there for thirty days. Yeah. And there is, you know, is the cork all the way in? Is it not all the way in? You know, you know all that stuff. So, the, and you've got to look at. Okay, here's here's science. So the neck board only has what a half an inch of air above it. Yeah. Everything after that has all that air in the bottle. Yeah. So. At the very least, you've got half of, or ninety percent of the bottle is there, and the rest is your yep. your your pour. So no, I really like that idea. I, and to be honest, I've, I've not heard of that. I've not heard of a quote neck pour. So yeah. if you guys invented it, that's great. No, <laughs> I, I wish we could take yeah. credit for yeah. that one, but no. Nope, it's all your fine. fault. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> so, great. I'll take that. This has been a blast. What have we missed? What question do we forget? Oh boy. Well, I don't know. Where were you trying to go with you? So, you, you, so, so we, our design thing was yeah. very interesting. I mean, the way you've, you kind of filled in, you know, I just threw my little paper out the window that I was all the questions well, I, I was going to ask you. But <laughs> what do you wish people knew that you never get asked? Oh, good question. Um, I wish people knew how much of bourbon world is not real. What do you mean by that? On the flip that? side. What do you mean by that? On the flip side, I wish that people would know more about the real bourbons. So, it's the Blanton's thing. Okay. okay. All right. I wish more people felt the way I did, that there's no bourbon worth $135 a shot. There is no bourbon worth $135 or whatever. There, there isn't. I don't, you can convince me, until, you try and convince me. There is nothing like that. The stories, I get it. The fact that the thing burned down and people ran out with the barrels, whatever. Okay, that's cool too. That happened a long time ago. I wish that that was that more people knew the real story, and that's what I really try and do when I talk to you. It's like, okay, that's I understand Blanton's old dude. How many horses do you have? Does it really matter, dude? Yes, it's the center cut of the rickhouse, whatever. Do you like it? I mean, when it comes right down to it, do you like it? Does it taste good? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So I, I and you know what? That's what I isn't that a wish? But that's right. There are lots of people out there that do that. That that actually buy because they like it. That I like. Hey, I just did that with my brother-in-law. Oh, excellent story. Forgive me, but I'm going to go on. So three weeks ago, I went to my um, my nephew's wedding. No, it was my birthday. Sorry. So I went to my birthday. <laughs> wedding, birthday, whatever. I know. Same thing. <laughs> well, my sister, I go to my sisters, and they end up, they bought me Russell's tenure, right? And I said, because I fell for it. She goes, well, I'm thinking about getting bourbon. What should I get? And I don't want to spend a lot of money. But, well, so I went through the whole thing with her. I go, you know what? Russell's tenure is a really good, if you can get that, that's a really good bargain. I'm sure whoever you pour it for will love it. Boom. I came up, of course. Of course, that's my birthday present. I see yeah, that one on your on your shelf behind you there, actually. Yeah, I yeah. killed it. Here's my story, though. So, um, my brother-in-law is is was was not a bourbon drinker. He and I drank half the bottle that day. The next day, he went he went out and bought the bottle. So now he's got. But then, so last week, I was up. Uh, we went up to do a golfing thing with the same family, and everyone's talking about this Russell's bourbon. What the hell's going on? Why is everyone talking about Russell's? Well, apparently my brother-in-law was telling everyone else how good it was, and now he is introducing everyone to Russell's, which <laughs> which is see that's bourbon right yeah. there. That's the American freaking story, and it, you know, and I, I go, yeah, it's ten year old. That that's good, David. Ten years old. You don't find that very often. Go get it. It's a good price and it tastes good. And he loved it. Now he's bit. Now I got him. So I say in the next couple of months I'll have them up to Eagle Rare. I'll have them up to uh, Widow Jane. We'll go. We'll go high. But yeah, Old Forester. Yeah. yeah. This is, my next step with him will be Old Forester. Old Forester. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Everything in their lineup. Just I, I've not I had a bad Old Forester. Some are better than others. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get. Right. Right. I'm gonna get him to 1920. If, oh, yeah, that's my goal. One. Get them at the higher proof. Yeah. yeah. That that's my yeah. personal favorite of the yeah, line, but mine too. all all great ones for sure. I would say, as far as the bourbon world goes, I think that we are looking at it might have plateaued the last few years, but I think we're going to have a real acceleration of some really good stuff uh, on the organic side. I, I also fear that the corporate side is going to try and cash in on that, so we're going to see a bunch of I'll call it bullshit of you know, marketing and hammering it. They're going to have to do it. Because look at all the barrels that are going to come to market in the next few oh, years. Tremendous and then look at the next 10 years. It's yeah. like, yeah. oh my There's gosh. a tremendous number. Yeah. So and you hear more stories about new Rick houses, new distilleries being opened up all the time. It's just every single time. day. It's, hey, remember this, you know, one old person from, you know, 18 such and such who did this one thing? Well, we're naming a new line completely after them. And, you know, I find that right. very exciting. Yeah. I, like, I'm not bashing there. I find that very exciting. But it is really opening the door up to a flood of product that's on its way in however yeah. many years. Seriously, and I hate to bring it up now so late, but the malt. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that yeah. movement, it's like... It's huge. And I'm, I'm resistant, but... Yeah. I had know, some earlier tonight. Like I said, the old pepper yeah, single malt. Right. So, yeah. Greg, we well, finish anyway. we finish our shows. Yes. We go into a, a segment we call this Fortnite and whiskey. And the reason why we call it this Fortnite and whiskey is because we do an episode every two weeks, and uh, I 
peruse the, the wires and whatever, and I pick out some stories that I think are somewhat newsworthy that we can share with folks. The one that I chose to follow this segment with you is called Inflation Drives Consumers to Drink at Home. Okay? <laughs> so as you know, because you experienced it, when COVID hit, everybody was staying home and they were drinking. And they had this huge, huge increase in stay-at-home drinking. And then COVID began to lift and everybody had to get out of their cages and they went out of the home and out into the bars. Well, as, as we know, this last 12 months or so, 10 months, whatever it is, inflation is pretty much skyrocketed, driven by a variety of factors, and we won't get political here at all. But uh, you've heard of Drizzly? Have you ever heard of Drizzly? Drizzly I've is heard a, of it. Yeah. an online e-commerce platform, and they do sell liquor. That is their, their primary product. They do everything from spirits to to beer to whatever. Uh, they they've got an interesting model. Anyway, they just published their fifth annual consumer trend report, and based on 2022 and 2023, people are staying at home. Yep. And the people that are staying at home are the people you might not think of. 33% of the millennials are saying they plan to stay at home than rather than go out to bars this year. I would be one of those. I, I, you know, if I had been polled, I would be one of those. I fall in that generation, and that's okay. me. Okay. So they, they did this study. They, they interviewed or took a survey of a, a 1,001 people. I don't know why surveys always have a 1,001 people, but this one did. And they said nearly 60% of the people were female respondents. And they said they are not going out to bars as often because it's just too expensive. Okay. 45% of the respondents saying that they are uh, opting for premium or more expensive products for the home. That's men and women though, right? Yes, that's men, men, and, men and women. women. Okay. okay, so they're, they're spending more, but they're buying better products for their home. And you know, and I know, that bar pricing is more than what you would spend at a bottle for Absolutely. Home. Yeah, okay. you're, you're buying an experience. Right, yeah. right. 27% um, say they are paying premium for dark liquor. Well, we all know they're talking about rums, rums. and bourbons and what have yeah. you. Likewise, 26% are doing it for, for light liquor. You know, Vodka, gins and gins. vodkas, some tequilas and what right. have you. 22% are saying that they're proactively shopping. They're looking for deals. And it's interesting, of these respondents, more than a quarter of them said that they have home bars. And they are actually, 63% say they're restocking their bars at least once a month and they're honing their bartending skills. This is a great survey. <laughs> yeah. Were you seeing anything kind of like that trend begin? Because you said that you were open during COVID. So were you seeing any of that kind of trend? Like Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and let me bring in a little story. So COVID, this is the dark days of COVID for Wisconsin. 
you were not allowed to go to the bars. This is like the first few weeks. Brian, the owner, and I, we had we had green beer. We had two kegs of green beer. We had a bunch of stuff that we bought that were for St. Patrick's Day was canceled. Mm-hmm. It was canceled. It just killed everyone. A bar down the street had like 500 pounds of corned beef. Mm-hmm. So the staffs of all these establishments came in and ate the corned beef. Well, we drank everything. <laughs> now, so we... So, so that's why we didn't hear for you for about six months. <laughs> oh my God, it gets worse. So here, to segue into the... This is an excellent question, excellent observation. So... Um, we decided, Brian and I, listen, we have a bunch of clubs. Let's just send out an email, and we're going to do remote bingo. <laughs> so we sent it out. We did Zoom bingo. So Brian and I are in the bar, lights out, because we don't know, you know, cops. Can, we don't know. Back then it was like, are they going to kick us out? I don't know. So we're up, in the, and we're doing bingo with, with on a Zoom session. And I swear to God, there is... 20 to 25 windows open of people signing into Zoom to do this bingo thing, and every single one had a party. So there was at least five people at each. Sometimes there's 15. This is during COVID. That's, I think, where it really kicked in. Like, and they were all doing their drinks. They were all doing it. And again, this is Wisconsin, right? So they yeah. are 10 decades ahead of everyone else yeah. when it comes to the bars, their basement, and all that stuff. But so I saw that, I, th- I didn't think of it, but what you're talking about right now, okay, that set, that resonated and stayed in the persona yep. of yeah. people after COVID. And that actually rolls into the old remote from, you know, work from home thing. This, yep. this is a social thing, yep. right? Mm-hmm. It, it, there's another survey that says all the money that's not being sent, uh, uh, spent in the cities because no one's working in the cities is shifting out to the suburbs, yep. the grocery stores. The, the local coffee shops, not the Starbucks, you know, F Starbucks, the local guys, the, the butcher, butcher shop. Yep. <laughs> I used to go to the butcher shop all the time. I, there was no line. Who goes to a butcher shop now? Everyone. So, yeah, I can see that absolutely. And, and if you remember back then during COVID, do you remember the TikToks or the Instagrams are showing a guy walking up his street in the morning with all the recycle bins? Yeah. And opening yeah. them up the recycle bins and they're stacked with wine bottles. And they had like yep. hundreds of wine. That's and another thing, back to your inflation thing, eggs went up. Yeah. Liquor yeah. did. Yeah. Liquor Well, liquor's has, climbing too, but yeah, but not yeah, like but eggs. Not like eggs <laughs> yep. or steak or all that. Yep. And even during COVID, because I talk about the distributors. These guys were making money handle at the grocery stores. Yeah. At the grocery stores, the bars were shut down. Yeah. Everything shifted over to the grocery stores, so they're selling beers. And okay, we're going to put bourbon on the shelves, whatever it is, because that's what's going to sell. So, and then I, I also think that there's there's this cyclical thing that happens, right? I mean, you had fondue in the '50s. Every house had a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Every you know, and uh, you can go back to Mad Men, right? You want a drink? It's it's eleven o'clock in the morning. Bourbon. So it didn't. Yep. And you know, and you walked in, and they, and these bars were out with all the shakers and everything. So I think we're kind of returning back to that and a little bit of nostalgic, yep. without even knowing it. Those people don't know yep. that. I mean, that that your generation, right? And then there's a control thing, and then there's a the fact that uh, going out to a bar now isn't expensive. It's risky. Yeah. yeah. It's perceived as yep. being risky. Yep. 
I hate to say it, yeah. because it probably isn't true, but still, it's being perceived as being, well, I don't want to go out and get yeah. in a fight or see, you know, whatever. I don't want to end up on the news. And I could, and then, okay, I can go out and buy a drink for 12 bucks, or I can buy a bottle for 24 Yeah. Yeah. Seems logical to me. And I can invite my buddies over, and oh, by the way, we have a 400-inch screen out on the back porch. Yep. Right? So you just, that's a perfect segue to the rest of the survey. Home gatherings. 47% of the people said they're supplying the drinks. Ooh. Okay. And the list of events is everything you would typically think of. 46% backyard barbecues. 44% are casual get-togethers. Now the math isn't mathing here, but these are the respondents. Select all that applies. Yes, and forty-one percent are for holidays. You know, Fourth of July is coming. Yep. Birthday parties, dinner parties. Who had a dinner dinner party? You know, dinner parties are coming back. Okay. I'm telling you, fondue is going to come back. Yep. Probably. So then they're talking. I'm here for that, too. You know, yep. like, like, give me I some bread it. and cheese. I'm, I'm here. So, I'm there. Yep. <laughs> Dr- Drizzly sells all manner of alcohol. 50% said that it's RTDs, the ready-to-drink stuff. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's already pre... It's a cocktail in a can. Okay. Okay. They said 14% of the respondents said that it, the RTD is their drink of choice. Okay. Okay. Oh, boy. Um, 22% said that that's what they're supplying at their parties. Beer is 49%. So that works right. well with the RTDs yeah. for those people who don't want it. Yeah. Wine is 35%, and spirits, what we're drinking tonight, is 21%. Okay. A really cool so, survey. That's a great survey. By the way, if you get a chance, shoot me a link. I, that, that's sure. The, you can go to our website, and on our <laughs> it, website, okay. It'll be there. Th- there'll be a link under the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the podcast. And and it I walked right into that. Yeah, yeah yes, you did. <laughs> so, just so you know, what is, what is the address to your website? Uh, Whiskeyfortheages.com. Oh, okay. Hit the men, hit the menu bar, and in the menu bar there'll be a link to podcasts, and there'll be a sublink to that under that, that will give the, all the news stories that we talk about. And okay. links to the other episodes. And other episodes and everything else. And we you also give yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one or two. All right. Okay. So, so that that survey is very very interesting. Yeah. I, I feel a swing coming. So I, I understand why these ready to drink RTDs. RTDs are excellent because they're convenient. I think what's going to happen is there'll be a move back to mixing your own drinks behind the bar. Probably. Yeah. I mean, we've been to a few parties ourselves where they've gone, okay, here are some that we've got laid out. You can pour whatever you want. We've also got our own mixing station with the fruits, the mixers, the garnishes, even little toothpicks with umbrellas, the whole lineup. Right. You know? I've had a lot and, of fun in there. And those. by the way, here's a little recipe book for you to, you know, mix your make, own. make your yeah. own drink right here, right now. So I think. I yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I really like but it. But I too. can also see. 
where the hosting person will do it. I just got a feeling. Right? It's like, okay, I love it, but you know what? Let me make you something. I could be wrong, but I feel that that's coming back to that whole Probably. experience yep. thing. Probably. The experience of pulling open a tab is fine and sitting down, but the experience, when people learn how to stir a martini, with, oh my gosh, when the kids, when the kids, when a generation learns how to do a martini shaken or stirred, or what a real old-fashioned is, and there's a process, it's a do-it-yourself do it kind of thing. And I yep. think, I don't know, wow, so we should sell kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to finish with this story. Um, this past week, or within the last uh, eight or nine days, Old Forester has applied for uh, new labeling for a new bourbon. In their Whiskey really? Room series, they're going to release a 10-year-old expression called 1924. Okay. I've heard of it. But, 1924 yeah. is a throwback to Owsley Brown in 1924. He began blending barrels from throughout the rickhouses that they did. Mm. This is going to be released at 100 proof. It is not a bottled in bond. It's a 10-year. Essentially, it's a departure from what Old Forester has done in the past. Oh, really? They have seven brick, uh, brick warehouses. All are heat cycled, meaning they run steam through them to keep the temperature even throughout the year. And the humidity, likewise. So they also right. have, everybody knows their Old Forester's birthday bourbon. Yeah. Birthday right. bourbon does not go through that process. Their birthday bourbon is 10 to 12 years. So now what they're going to do is they're going to come out with a bourbon in their Whiskey Row series that may not quite be good enough for their birthday bourbon, but they're going to release it to the public. Incidentally, they're also owners of King of Kentucky and President's Choice. Those barrels also don't go through the heat cycling warehouses. So it's very likely that we won't see this till next year because 2024 is the 100th anniversary of Owsley Brown's blending. That's right. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah something to look forward to. The back of the labels indicate that they're going to be blending two different mash bills. A, a, a 72-18-10, meaning corn 72-18 rye, and uh, that's the old Forester mash bill that gets used all the time. And then they're also going to blend it with the early times mash bill of 791110. Now, interestingly, early times is owned by Sazerac. But, right, so, okay. But yeah. old Forester still makes it for them. So we got some neat stuff coming. And that's going to be one of the stories that we're going to continue to follow and make sure that somehow we get our mitts around that bottle. Sounds like fun, huh? I can see your wheels are turning. Well, I love, well, we love Old Forester. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know about the Sazerac connection, though. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, our, uh, that's our show. What do you think? All right. Did you have fun? Oh, yeah. I always have fun. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it's really, actually, all right, don't get all poofy-headed. But, yeah, I've listened to a bunch of your stuff. I like it very much. 
All right, you guys are authentic, blah, 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 blah. But you're authentic, and I love the fact that we're all, like, organic, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. I like. I listen to all, I don't listen. I, I, seriously, I just did it today. I, look, I went to TikTok. Da, 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 da. I went through, like, 50 of those guys. It's like, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> I do not like that stuff. I like real stuff. You guys are real. Um, I used to like, I still like the guys, I forget their name. There's, there's another group of guys that I had listened to before, a long time ago, down in Texas. They do their own, they do a, a, a bourbon marketing thing, right? They did some psalm, there's no such thing, but I like those guys because they were real. But you guys are real. So, well, anyway, um, we should talk maybe offline about some future <laughs> stuff, but okay. this has been a blast. I love, yeah. you guys know that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ooh, an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, we, know, we, we cut, cut it in half. We cut it out. <laughs> well, we need to go to three hours. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah. We'll do that sometime. Okay. Well, this so, has been. I love it. So. So here's what's coming up. So yeah, what's for, coming up? for our listeners out there, um, in two weeks, we are going to jump headlong into what we hope to be a live stream call. Uh, we haven't put together all the particulars on it. We're going to do kind of an open mic night. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. We hope we have one, two, Perfect. three, five people Great. that, 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 that want to join us. Let's do it. So, yeah. We need music. We need music. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> and uh, uh, we haven't quite decided if it's going to be truly live or if you pre-record it, do some editing, and then throw it up there. But it's just it's just a whim to join us and we want everybody who's listening out there to join us uh, send me an email and my email address is brian b-r-i-a-n at whiskeyfortheages.com i'll say it again brian at whiskeyfortheages.com i will reply with an acceptance offer and uh, show participation credentials uh, just so everybody knows we are limiting uh, the number of people we can have on the call. We're not going to open this up to the world. We're going to just selectively choose who we can have on. We're maybe hoping for five folks. If we get seven, well, maybe we'll squeeze everybody in. <laughs> so that's going to be coming in two weeks. After that, wow. we're going to do a history show. Dad's very, very excited. Wait this. a minute. Yes. The history of bourbon. Yes. Or something. No, I love it. Okay. So we do a whole bunch of stuff here. We are all over the board. Yeah. And so yeah. then after this whiskey history one, um, we promised you guys we're going to be doing that listener's pick. We are going to, by the time this episode is uploaded, we will have a poll out there with a list of bourbons that we have not yet reviewed. And you're going to tell us what we're reviewing next. Uh, we are really excited for that and for what you guys are most interested in hearing our thoughts on most interested in maybe buying for yourselves. Yep. I we, am especially very excited yep. for that episode. We did an inventory. Um, I'm not going to tell people how many bottles I have. <laughs> uh, but we found a bottle of uh, Parker's Heritage Orange Curacao from about Whoa. four years ago, I think is when it was released, or three years ago. So that's going to be on the docket. We have Excellent. a barrel-proof uh, uh, Colonel Taylor that is a batch 10 and we've got just a bunch of other things that are just going to excite people 
Um, we'll also throw in some current ones, so if somebody wants to hear a current review that still may be available to folks out there. But uh, that's what we're, we've got coming up. That'll be our episode 10, and uh, we'll wow. be finishing out our series. Uh, we're doing 10, uh, 10 episode series, and then we're going to take a little break and kind of regroup, and then we'll repeat the whole process all over again. With new things, new, new concepts, new topics, but same sort of theme that y'all are starting to know and love, hopefully, crossing fingers. So love engage it. with us. You know, join us. Find, you know, find us on the Internet. You know, just have fun. And just so everybody knows, um, we are now available, our podcasts are now available not only on Podbean, but we're on Spotify. You can get on, on us on Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player Radio, Samsung Podcast, Podchaser, and Boomplay. We have applications in on iTunes as well as Google. So you should be able to find us just about anywhere. <laughs> so that's what's going on with us. And don't forget, please send an email request to our participate in our live show, Brian at whiskeyfortheages.com. That's Brian with an I, not a Y. Um, I'm an old Brian. <laughs> and then watch for the take the survey and then pick us a whiskey to yep. review. Yep. We're very excited about that. All right. Well, Greg, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on here. Thank well, you so great. much for being here. We've learned a lot, had a lot of fun. It's been a good one. Yeah, it's so, been a lot of fun. Yeah, love it. And then I will drive it. I really like what you guys are doing. Excellent, excellent work. Absolutely, absolutely. We end every one of our uh, our broadcasts with a, a ringing of the Glencairn. So, uh, You'll have some, to do it virtually somehow. Some, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we don't ring well, so we may take a couple of cracks at it. But uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Have a great night. Cheers. Great night, guys. Bye.